I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them out of loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. It's Ed Tyler, Danny Ren in the show today. Welcome on a Thursday. Good guests as usual. And Tyler will go off on the second no-hitter in World Series history. Ah, what a fun day. Just throw no hitter in the World Series. It's no big deal, right? Yeah, combined. I don't know if I count it. Yeah, well, the Phillies did not get a hit. That's all that matters. <laughs> didn't get a hit. Didn't score a run. It's phenomenal. Also, I think we might need to take callers if the Raiders or Golden Knights ever play for a championship. Because I'm reading a tweet from a radio show in Houston. said the first caller this morning compared Lance McCullers and Justin Verlander to Benedict Arnold. Because they are purposely losing games to keep Dusty Baker from winning his first World Series. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if the Raiders play for a Super Bowl, we might just take we might calls actually open and up see, the calls. See if we can get that instead. That they're keeping Josh McDaniels from winning a Super Bowl. Yes, preventing the great duo of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler from winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a great duo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this means uh, this guarantees you're on the road. I will not be in Las Vegas this weekend. I will be in Houston for game six and potentially seven of the World Series. I really hope it doesn't go seven because I don't want to spend as much money as it's going to cost me to go to a game seven. Do they go back to back? Yeah. Saturday, Sunday, six and seven. If nobody wins the next two, if they split the next two. Yeah. All right, six so seven is Sunday against the NFL. We talked about it is. that. Yeah, they blew it. Their schedule was set up perfectly. Seven was going to be on a Saturday night. For uh, six was going to be on a Friday night. But now you got Phillies and Astros and Texans and Eagles playing at the same kickoff and first pitcher, basically the same Eagles time and tonight. Phillies. Yep. If it goes that far, no, tonight. Tonight they. Oh, play excuse at the same me. I'm time. sorry. I yeah. thought you were talking about Sunday. Yeah, no, Sunday. Game I don't know who's Sunday night football, but who cares? I'll be at a World Series game, hopefully. Well, actually, hopefully not, but whatever. When do you leave? Saturday morning. Really early, like 5 in the morning. To get there for 6? Yeah, I booked the earliest flight on Saturday just so it wouldn't get pushed back and delayed. You should, you're at an Airbnb, though. Yes. Yeah. All right, so you can check in and get yourself some rest. Uh, no, my check-in's like 3 o'clock. Ooh. They're like, you can pay for an earlier check-in. And I was like, that'll be fine. I'll just What, are you going to walk around the streets of Houston? Nah, find like a cafe and sit down and watch college football. Or a Buffalo Wild Wins or something. Oh, that's that'd be best. Buffalo Wild Wins. Something like that. I got to watch Georgia Tennessee play. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Good for you. It's a big weekend for you. It is. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I'm excited. The first bite. Are the Raiders rebuilding? (laughs) Dave Ziegler yesterday met with three reporters. All three of them. All three of them in Florida, teams in Florida. Wait, before we get into this, what's better? The Golden Knights firing their head coach while going to Ottawa and holding a press conference in Ottawa after firing their head coach or Dave Ziegler talking for the first time when they're on the road in Sarasota, Florida yeah. and there are three media well, members. Well, they would say that he talked because of the trade deadline. I see. Okay. But I would say that it's coincidental it's no coincidence <laughs> that there's three people there and this is when he actually talked um very good timing 
Dave Ziegler to me said everything you say when you're two and five. So when you're two and five, and you're not five and two in first place. You're two and five, and in last place. Let me read some of the quotes here about the long-term picture. Uh, Dave Ziegler said, "We were hired to build a football team that can sustain and win. The focus is always on the long term." Every trade and contract extension that we have done has been with the focus on the long term. We can't let the results of seven games steer us in a different direction. He also said, when you come in for year one, what you're doing from the beginning until the end of the season is evaluating. You're figuring out what the fits are, what your strengths are as a team, what your needs are as a team going forward. That was going to be a big part of year one and continues to be a big part of year one. But to me, that's not how they treated the offseason. That is not at all what they did in the offseason. No, they, they did the offseason to win now. Yes. The, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler took over a 10-win team that went to the playoffs. And we can talk about how many wins they had in overtime, how many one-possession wins they had, right? They were a fortunate 10-win team last year. But they won right? 10 games. But they won 10 games. They went to the playoffs, right? Even if they lost some of those, it would still would have been a 7- or 8-win team. It wasn't a god-awful football team. 10-win team went to the playoffs. They inherited that. And then in the offseason, traded away their first and second-round picks to get Devontae Adams, got rid of Yannick Ngakwe, and went and got Chandler Jones and gave him some guaranteed money. They made sure to lock up Derek Carr with a contract extension. They gave Hunter Renfro a contract extension. They gave Max Crosby a contract extension. They handed out a bunch of money to the top-end players. And the key here, they cut a bunch of players that John Gruden and Mike Mayock had acquired. Alex Leatherwood, Kenyon Drake. And those cuts pushed a bunch of dead cap hit money into next season because the Raiders were trying to maximize this year's Right. That's what they did this offseason. Trying to win now. If you're if your goal, if you walked into year one and said every trade and contract extension is to focus on the long term, if you walk into year one and say, We're evaluating this team, you do not trade away your first and second round picks. If you're taking over a team and you're saying, Ah, we gotta learn this team and we gotta figure out what how good we're gonna be in the future and how we need to be good in the future, you're coveting draft picks. You're not sure. getting rid of draft no. picks. You're not getting rid of value. Everything he said yesterday, well, not everything, but everything he said about the sort of big picture was the exact opposite of what Absolutely. they did. Of what they the did in the offseason. And it is disingenuous and all we got to, to actual Raiders fans, it's almost disrespectful for the GM to get up there and say, huh, yeah, we're two and five, but that's we always planned on this, guys. We always planned to just yeah. be evaluate. That's disingenuous and disrespectful to Raiders fans because this team won 10 games last year, added top-end talent, and was expecting from internally, right, the odds outside were that they were more likely to miss the playoffs than make the playoffs. But this team and fan base were expecting to be back in the playoffs and maybe even better than that. And now that they've started two and five, the GM is yeah, saying, "This oh, is oh. what you say when you're two and five, not when you're five. <laughs> if you, if he's five and two, we get different quotes yesterday. I think. Oh, 100 percent. They're five and two. He's 
talking about how great everything and, is. And, you know, content, containing to win a right. division and get to the playoffs. So I just, I think it's ridiculous quotes that he gave yesterday about evaluating and all that. Because here's the thing. If the Raiders were evaluating, if the Raiders were looking towards the future when they hired McDaniels and Ziggler, basically if you hired McDaniels and Ziggler and they said, oh, the roster's not very good. Uh, we're going to try to be good in 2023 and 2024. Their offseason is completely right. different. And, and they've made a point to say it in the beginning. Yeah, and that would have been the talking point. That's fine. But that's not what they did. And here's my that's other... That's not their actions. Here's my other question on this. Does Mark Davis know year one was about evaluating and figuring out if they were what they were Maybe that's at? what the meetings are after games. <laughs> He's like, I thought we were supposed to be winning now. Is Dave Ziegler in those meetings saying, ah, oh, we're yeah, evaluating, Evaluating Mark. everybody. Because <laughs> that, that's, I think the biggest part of this, not so much the fan side or us listening to McDaniels quotes, Mark Davis hired these guys to win now. Mm -hmm. Mark Davis had a playoff team for the second time since he's been in charge. And I don't think Mark Davis got rid of Rich Basaccia with the intention of bringing some long-term right building. He fired Rich Basaccia or didn't retain Rich Basaccia as, as head coach and hired these two because he thought we won 10 games. These two are going to keep us there and absolutely get us beyond that. I don't think Mark Davis at any point when he hired these guys was like, okay, let's rebuild guys. Let's, let's worry about, about the long term. Right. I don't think that ever happened. And say it as a joke, but in all seriousness, those meetings afterwards, like is Dave Ziegler saying this or is Josh McDaniels, either one of them, are they saying that to Mark Davis's face? I think Dave Ziegler might be. <sighs> I mean, Mark. I don't know if I don't know if Josh McDaniels immediately after twenty four nothing says, "Don't worry about it. We're just building for the long term. We're evaluating." I, think, I don't know if he says much at all to tell you the truth. <laughs> he just he just does a lot of listening right. in those meetings. Can you imagine? He's he uh, Davis walks in after they lose twenty four nothing, and Josh uh, McDaniels is like, "Oh, we're just evaluating, Mark. A lot of guys based on the day are not going to be back next year. Don't worry. We're just evaluating. It's all about the next year." <laughs> so I was. A little stunned that he said the quote that he said from a, if you looked uh, at it from the off season, but like you said, they're two and five. So maybe yeah. he shouldn't be that surprised at what he said. Cause I no, I guess he's, I, I mean, he could, but I guess he's not going to come out and completely rip the team or the coaches or anything. He could, but he's not going to do that given, which is probably what's fair that since they're two and five, when people expect, I mean, them. I don't look, I mean, I don't, this is what you say when you're two and five about rebuilding. I don't know if you come out and start ripping coaches. Yeah. I mean, if I think if they hadn't come as a package deal, you might have a little bit more chance for Dave Ziegler to say something about this isn't good enough. The coaching or the players haven't been good enough. And if this was, you know, he said the opposite about Josh. McDaniels. Oh yeah. He said he was great. What, what where's this quote out here? I've been really impressed with Josh. When you're two and five, your leadership really gets tested. Your approach gets tested. And I've been really impressed with how Josh has handled that. What? They're t- they just had their worst performance in years. years. It's it's the His worst. consistency and message with the team is attitude. He continues to teach. <laughs> the game management has been good. They, they're two and four, and McDaniels is saying, or excuse me, Ziegler is saying that McDaniels' leadership has been tested and has shown through well. At two and four, they went into a game and had the worst performance this organization has in years. It's the worst offensive performance any team has had in the NFL this season. And... Like we've talked about it. One area that I think it's hard to break down from a media standpoint is like effort and want to and how much that's, you care. Yeah, that's but, that's difficult because you're just 
You're not inside right. them. But it's when you lose 24 to nothing and literally every player on the field, except Jared Stidham, is awful, it's probably fair to criticize what the hell happened there. Don't like, forget A.G. Cole. The, <laughs> the intangible part of that, like, what happened? That was a complete failure from the player's side, but also from the coach's side. That's uh, rather stunning, I think. So I guess there's not a whole lot of GM can say when you're two and five that would actually make people like be happy or make people no. say, oh, okay. But it did feel like uh, a very disingenuous couple of quotes from Dave Ziegler yesterday when talking to the media and not that he's going to rip people, but maybe a little bit more of, oh, wow, this kind of sucks. We haven't done exactly what we've expected. Like, could he have said something along the lines of two and five? It's not where we were supposed to be and been fine yesterday. Like he could have said oh, something yeah. like that. Like we expected better. We than expected this. to be better than two and five. Yeah. And I'm sure they did expect to be better than right. two and five because they were built to win now. I don't know that. I don't know that anybody would have taken that the wrong way. Cause you can take, Hey, we expect to be better than two and five as a, uh Oh, is the pressure on Josh McDaniels now? But I don't think we would have done that because we've already no. done that. Cause the owners having meetings with them after yeah. they lose. And I don't think either of us think he's getting bounced anyway. So no. I think he would have just, I think that would have gone over with fans a lot better. If I'm fans and I'm reading this today, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This was supposed to be win now. And you're talking about the long term. You're like, wait a minute. I bought plane tickets and game tickets to go to New Orleans. And you're just now telling me you're that, rebuilding. That you're evaluating. <laughs> it's about the long term. Oh, that's not very good. All right. Coming up next. We'll jump into the Golden Knights as they continue to lead the Western Conference. 90 seconds to go on the power play is now a shot. Score! Eichel from the right circle. The wrister well placed inside the right post. Eichel ties the game 1-1. Ovechkin toward Van Riemsdyk. Kuznetsov shoots and a save for Thompson. Very sharp angle. Thompson with the glove on his right hand makes the save. The puck was coming from his opposite side of the, near the corner. Eichel looks to the back door. Theodore cutting. He scores. Eichel to Theodore. The Knights win it in overtime. 3-2 Vegas. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Golden Knights continue their road trip on the East Coast. They play the Ottawa Senators. You can hear that game at 4 o'clock over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Um, we started this season talking about the Golden Knights and their chances to make the playoffs. Most <laughs> uh, models projected them right around 50-50 to get in. Some had them in, some had them out, uh, but they were right around a 50-50 chance to make the postseason. 11 games in, they're 9-2-0. and oh. They have 18 points, the most not only in the Pacific, but in the Western Conference. They're four points clear of second place Edmonton already. Should we be talking about the Golden Knights not as, hey, are they going to make the playoffs, but are they the best team in the Western Conference? I still think Calgary's better, and Calgary's got three games in hand. I don't know what Calgary's Oh, we're doing is. games in hand. Yes, I love this. we're doing games in hand. We're doing games in hand. <laughs> They've only 11. played eight games. They I don't have. know who did the schedule for Calgary. Everyone else is playing nine, <laughs> 10, 11 games. I don't, I don't know who did the Calgary schedule. I, I would go with Calgary still, um, but it's hard. Man, the Golden Knights are playing well. It's hard to go against. You know, I mean, Colorado's kind of starting off slow. You've got, like, really good teams starting off slow. But as Cassidy said the other day, it's it's important to bank points now because it's hard to it's hard to chase and catch up. 
So, and it, we're just talking, it's just still so early, but nine and two is really, really impressive. I think they're really, really good. Um, but if you told me right now I had to pick a team to win the Pacific, I'd pick Calgary. So Calgary, like you said, has played eight games. Um, they have five wins, three losses. They don't have an overtime loss. Colorado has only played nine games. I think yeah. most people look at Colorado as a top tier Western conference team. Uh, but four wins, four losses, and one overtime loss. So they have not been overly impressive no. so far. Dallas is actually leading the Central Division right now with 13 points. Um, Winnipeg second, Minnesota's third over there. Well, we've seen enough of Winnipeg. Right. Uh, Seattle is actually third in the Pacific at the moment. Kraken. With 12 points. Edmonton is second. Edmonton has been very good so far this mm-hmm. year as well. They have seven wins in 10 games. And both Edmonton and Vegas have won five in a row. Um has Edmonton won five in a row? Yeah, they both have uh, are on five-game win streaks here. So I think you look at this, and at the end of the year, we're still talking about Calgary and Colorado as the you know two of the best teams in the West. I'm curious if Edmonton can keep this up because they were they they were pretty good last year, given yeah. their track record of sure. always either missing the playoffs or losing, or in, the losing in the first round with Connor McDavid. They were very good last year. I expect Edmonton's going to be in this conversation as well. I'm curious if Dallas can keep this up. Dallas might sort of be similar to Vegas right now where it's like, okay, you were a probable potential playoff team and you're overperforming expectations at the moment. But I think at the end of the year, we're talking about sort of those five teams and maybe two or three of them separate themselves from the rest of the group. I think Vegas is in the top five in the West mm-hmm. at the end of the year. I don't know if they're going to be one of the two or three teams that truly separate and are best in the West at the end of the year. But I think that's fair. It's possible. It's entirely possible. So it's possible that they are also what we've seen so far. They're, they're absolutely going to be one of those two or three teams, right? Because one of the keys, like we've talked about, they haven't lost to the bad or the average teams yet, right? They have not done that. And if that continues, if they're good enough to where, hey, we can sc- we can score two goals and against, beat San Jose against the Ottawa's of the world against San Jose, and that's enough because we're simply not going to let those teams score. They're absolutely going to have one of the best records in the West, yes. and they're absolutely going to be pushing for the Pacific Division title and maybe the number one overall seed in the Western Conference. And if the goaltending stays as good as it is. They're going to win the Pacific. If the goaltending is truly going to be this good, because here's here's the thing. We've talked to Ryan about this. We've talked to Darren Millard about it. We'll talk to him again here today. The idea that, hey, Bruce Cassidy's system is making it easy for the goalies, right? That it's a good defensive system and the goalies effectively just, hey, make the, you know, easy saves and you're going to have a good night. Make everything from the outside. Make the easy saves and then, you know, there's going to be four or five high danger chances. Stop like two or three of them and we're in great shape. Beyond it being a great system, the goalies have still been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The goalies have still stopped even more than expected of the high danger chances. The few that they give up, they've been phenomenal. And they're not going to, most likely, I should say, they're not going to stay this good the entire season, right? I'm. It's We're getting far enough into the season that I'm like, maybe they are actually this good. But there's going to be a 10-12 game stretch where the goaltending's bad. Are you suggesting that there's a chance we get the Vesna for two more goalies? Oh, look at this. Look at this. If they won, if if they they won the Vesna again with the two goalies, like they did with Flurry and and Robin Leonard, Flurry won Vesna and they won the Jennings trophy for fewest goals allowed. Right. With $12 million in goaltending in Flurry and uh, Robin Leonard. 
two years later, if they found a way to, to win, win the, the Jennings Trophy. and win the Jennings with like three million or so at the most goaltending yes. in Aiden Hill and, and Logan, Logan Thompson. Thompson, that'd be impressive. And it would also prove a very big point as my claim as a general manager, never pay your goalies. That and hockey is dumb. If you can do it with 12 million <laughs> or you can do it with 3 million, why would you do it with 12 million? That's just stupid. So the the goaltending on this team has been very good to a point where the Golden Knights offensive margin for error is very, is very big, right? They, they've won games where they look like they couldn't score for 50 right. minutes. The Winnipeg. Game. Well, the last two games they haven't led. Yeah. The, the Winnipeg game looked like they're never going to score a right. goal again. And it was perfectly fine because the goaltending did give up a goal early in the third, but the goaltending was basically not giving anything up. So the Golden Knights, despite their offensive struggles, were able to still win that game. And if that continues, they're going to win the Pacific Division. And it it might not be close if the goaltending is going to be this good. Right now, uh, Dom Lecision of The Athletic, he sort of has a daily update on uh, playoff odds and odds to win the Stanley Cup, odds to win the uh, each division. Golden Knights have a 31% chance to win the Pacific. That is second to Calgary. So Calgary is still viewed as the favorite in this division, but the Golden Knights have jumped from, I think they were fourth or fifth to win the Pacific to, at the start of the year up to, to second. second already. And a 31%, so you're basically almost at a one and three shot that you win the division, right. uh, which obviously gives you an easier path to playing for, the Stan, uh, playing for the Stanley Cup out of the West this year. But I, I think it's fair 11 games in, small sample size, but I do think it's fair 11 games in that we shift the narrative completely from, is this a playoff team to... Is this the best, best team, team in, in the, the West, Western Conference? Or at least one of the best teams in the Western Conference, right? Give it another 10, 12 games, and maybe Colorado and Calgary have caught them. Or well, are right as you write them. here, they are on pace for 134 yes, points. Yes, which would be a very good season. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty good. They have a chance at 134 points to win the Pacific. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to go out on that limb and say if they get 134 points, they might win the Pacific Division. Imagine a season if they get 134 and they don't win the yes. Division. <laughs> Calgary etches, <laughs> ekes him out by two points. Calgary goes on a 60-game winning <laughs> streak. <laughs> that would be, yeah, 134 points would be uh, pretty good. We would be talking about them as greatest team of all time. Right. Until, obviously, it's hockey, so the 134-point team would lose in the first round because yes. it's hockey. But we would be talking about them as greatest team of all time until they either got eliminated from the Stanley Cup or won the Stanley Cup. So 134 Probably not happening, but they're on pace for it right now. A hundred points. I mean, they, what do they need? What do you think they need? hundred and seven, eight, and they probably win the division, something around there. I don't think Calgary's going to be ridiculously hundreds, good. Yeah. yeah. You get over a hundred, you got a shot. You get over one Oh five and you're in pretty good shape. So one Oh seven, one Oh eight's probably going to be a division winner. Yeah. The props in the paper, I took the under and I think it was 90. It was not good. They're going to be at that by Christmas. Ed was it 93. It was 95, something like that. I think they opened at. 93. Maybe, yeah, maybe 95. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't Cause look good. They're they're, yeah, they're going to have that at Christmas, guys. You're going to lose that bet in like a month. It's all right. all right. I'm with you, Ed. Coming up next, Jeff Erickson joins the show from RotoWire. If you've got fantasy football questions, now is the time to send them in. 702 364 1100 is. I'm sorry. I'm giving you the wrong number. That's our phone number. Don't do not call that one. We're not answering the phones right now. We're taking text messages. Six, nine, one, eight, seven. That's the text line. Text your fantasy football questions to six, nine, one, eight, seven. Make sure you type ESPN and then whatever your message is, and then send that to six, nine, one, eight, seven. Jeff Erickson up next. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. 
If you've got fantasy football questions, you can send them in right now. The text line is 69187. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN and then send whatever your fantasy football question is to 69187. We will ask those to Jeff Erickson of Rotowire, who joins us now. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Hey, Jeff. Morning, guys. I'm uh, on the road driving to Phoenix, uh, going to the a fantasy baseball conference I go to every year. Uh, we watch the top prospects of the Arizona Fall League, have a, a few sessions, do a draft. Good time. I've been doing this for 20 years. All right. 20-year fantasy baseball conference. I like that. All right. Let's get uh, some fantasy football questions. I'll, I'll start here for you. Um, what are you doing with Jonathan Taylor in the Indianapolis backfield this week? I'm making sure that I, if Deion Jackson's out there, I'm getting him. Um, he, I, I think he's going to have an impact not just this week, but I think over the course of the season, too. I'm pretty worried about Taylor's ankle, and overall, I just think Jackson can play. I think they'll find ways to get him out there. Uh, if I have Jonathan Taylor otherwise, though, I'm considering a trade. I, 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 I ask around. I've uh, seen some pretty decent trade offers out there. If you play, For instance, if you play on uh, a league on Yahoo!, they have a uh, trade center link on their research tab, uh, and you can see the trades that have involved Jonathan Taylor that have happened on a given day or any other player. Uh, and I think about it there because I think he might be very limited this week with that ankle injury. We saw he was affected last week against the Commanders, and I, I think this might be an ongoing concern. Does Chase Claypool get more targets now? Eventually. Probably not this week, uh, but I think he'll be – Getting more targets, uh, although I, I need to caution that the Bears are not a team that's uh, a heavy-volume team. So, you know, he's going to get a – I think uh, Claypool will get a little bit more consistent work. It's just how much work is there going to be. It's not as bad as the Falcons, but at the same time, it's a team that really doesn't want to expose their quarterback that much. 69187 is the text line. Make sure you type ESPN and send your message in. The first one um, – a very broad one for you. Just a lot of bye weeks. Who are your sneaky streaming wide receivers or running backs this week? Okay, so, you know, it, it is really tough at running back. If you can get Deion Jackson, great. Otherwise, I've been finding it very thin gruel to try to find guys to pick up, especially because, you know, last week we only had two teams on bye, so you didn't have too many panic drops. Uh, I mean, I'd look to see if maybe Jerk McKinnon's available. Uh, I, I think, you know, go back to the Drake, Kenyon Drake maybe a little bit there. Uh, I, I've seen him available. But, like, in some of my leagues, I, I, I'm finding it really difficult to find a viable running back. Uh, wide receiver is a little bit better. DeAndre Carter is the one I've been trying to pick up a lot because I don't think Keenan Allen plays, and we know Mike Williams is out for the Chargers. So that's an opportunity there to jump on something. I think about picking up Kadarius Tony. I don't know how much work he's going to get this week, but I just know he has some skills that are interesting at least. Hard to play this week, though. That's more of a, uh, a stash for the future. Um, desperation play might be Kyron Williams on the Rams. If they activate him, he might be uh, pretty active. Uh, he might even be the primary guy for all we know. Sean McVay is going to keep us guessing, though, that's for sure. Kirk Cousins or Tom Brady? Kirk Cousins this week. Uh yeah, I don't like Brady's matchup, and I don't like the recent results. 69187 is our text line if you've got questions. Uh, Alec Pierce or Robert Woods? Um, Alec Pierce. 
Uh, I think, you know, Tennessee will throw the ball more Sunday night because they have to. They can't get away with 10 passes like they did against Houston. Uh, not against the Chiefs, at least. But nonetheless, I still prefer Pierce just a little bit. They, uh... It doesn't seem like they throw to their tight ends a ton, but uh, how much better of a deal is this for T.J. Hawkinson? Um, I think it's fairly neutral for him. In fact, he's going to lose some target share uh, just because, you know, Minnesota has a lot of good targets out there, Jefferson and Thielen. Even K.J. Osborne can play. So, uh, and then this, this week in particular, it might hurt him just because he's going to be getting up to speed with the Vikings offense. But... I think he's got a better quarterback throwing it to him, you know, better offense all around. That should help. Just uh, a lot of mouths to beat in Minnesota. 69187 is the text line. Um, do you think Isaiah Likely is going to be playable even if Mark Andrews is healthy? Uh, borderline. I mean, this week probably because, you know, let's face it, there are six teams on by. If you're a Dalton Schultz manager, well, guess what? You, you know, you got to find something. He's, he's not a bad streamer. Uh, but... You know, it, it's obviously, you know, if, if Andrews is out, he's a top-ten guy, though. That, that's the appeal, uh, especially because we know Rashad Bateman's not going to play for Baltimore. Uh, the problem is we have to wait till Monday night for that game, and that, that's really tough. So, you know, your pivoting options are pretty nil. I, I, you know, it's Juwan Johnson, basically. He's a little banged up, too. So, um, yeah, he, he, he's, he, he's usable, but... Much, much better, obviously, if Andrews is out. Uh, they made a run at Christian McCaffrey, didn't get him, and Buffalo's so good, but Naeem Hines uh, uh, can create some matchup problems. Do you do you uh, give a nod to him at all? Yeah. Uh, I, again, it might take a little time to get up to speed of the offense, but this is exactly the type of player they're targeting. Remember, they tried to uh, sign J.D. McKissick this offseason before McKissick went back to Washington. Uh, they want a pass-catching back. So it hurts Devin Singletary, and it eviscerates my James Cook shares, which of, of which I had a handful of. I thought that maybe he'd get the post-by bounce. He actually played well on Sunday night. Now, unfortunately, he's a drop. Hey, Jeff, with, uh, with James Robinson's production diminishing his last couple weeks in Jacksonville and now being in the Jets, how do you see his role going forward? I kind of view him as a goal line back, maybe a – change of pace guy it's going to be you know, the Jets are going to be another one of those teams that's going to have an annoying committee uh, I think it'll be more like 65-35 in favor of Carter over Robinson maybe 60-40 uh, he's the hand and that's great but I, I just don't see him having the big playability uh, I, I think you know he had a couple of big games early he had one big run but, you know, he doesn't have, like, that breakaway speed, and he's not a great pass catcher. So, you know, there's, his ceiling is kind of limited. I view he's usable this week. He's usable in other bye week situations there. There's a lot of good running backs on bye this week, too. Uh, but other than that, you're kind of, I mean, there's a chance he beats out Carter eventually someday, but I don't think it happens this week. 69187 is the text line. All right, we've got a few of these for you. Uh, Tua or Lamar Jackson at quarterback this week? I mean, the fact that you have to ask the question kind of speaks volumes about where Lamar's at right now. Um, I'm still going Lamar, but it, it, it's pretty close because I like the matchup against Chicago. I think Bears games are going to be far different than you ex- expected uh, typically and certainly far different than they were at the beginning of the season. Them trading away Quinn and Roquan Smith, 
They're giving up a lot of points now, but Fields is making up some of that gap. It's really close. I'm going Lamar over Tua, but both are very good this week. 69187. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson of Rotowire, send them in now. Uh, here's a fun one. Running backs on the same team. Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson? I go Gibson over Robinson. Gibson had uh, a rough, roughly about a 40% snap share against the Colts last week, whereas Robinson was in the 20s. Uh, so, you know, he's gone from being the clear primary back to being actually third string in number of uh, uh, snaps last week among the running backs. So, uh, Robinson still gets goal line carries every once in a while, but so does Gibson. I just think Gibson's a better player. I mean, I think Robinson's a great story and that he's able to come back from the drive-by shooting. Um, and he, he's a fun rookie and all that, but I think Gibson's a better player. Drake London or Rondale Moore? Rondale Moore, I think this is going to be a higher-scoring game. Uh, you know, you just can't count on Atlanta to throw a lot. Justin Fields or Geno Smith? Surprisingly a good problem to have. Uh, Justin Fields. Uh, before we let you go, Jeff, I'm curious, uh, how, what percentage of leagues that you're in does somebody own Deshaun Watson right now? Uh, probably over half. I, I, I am not that guy. Um, I think he looked terrible in the preseason, so I haven't been that eager to go get him and you know use up a bench spot, especially in a lot of my leagues. Those spots are pretty scarce. Trying to get through this week in particular is a nightmare. Um, so I, I haven't been stashing him. Good luck to those who are, though. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Jeff, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Talk soon. So Jeff Erickson of Rotowire answering your fantasy football questions every Thursday. I'm one of those stashing them. You got him? I've had him in Dynasty for two or three years, and I just oh, well, Dynasty League. I won't give yeah, him up. Yeah. I won't you, give him up. You got to hold on to him in a Dynasty You have league. to. Yeah, as long as there's still a chance he's going to play football. Yeah. yeah. So I assume somebody still has Calvin Ridley on their team, too. I assume. Yeah, that's a potential top 15 wide receiver yeah. next year if he actually gets reinstated into the league. So, yeah, if a Dynasty League, no yeah, no chance. You, you don't give him up. up. Yeah, but just a regular redraft league. Uh, curious to see if anybody. Nobody has him in, in my league. He's still available? Yeah, and, and mine's a four-player keeper league. We keep four guys every year. So right. there's actually a reason to have him on your bench because he could be a top five fantasy right. quarterback for an entire season next year. So, yeah, but there's Jeff Erickson answering your fantasy football questions. Coming up next... We'll get into some NBA. Going outside the arc, Kuzma for three. It's there. It's there. Kuzma with the answer. Hero wants a clear out. He got it. Pump fakes. Fires for three. For the win. Ball game. Ball game. A hero came along. 1.8 remains. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. I want to read you some Giannis stats. So Giannis, uh, first game of the season, scored 21 points against the 76ers. What a bump. Terrible. Since then, these are his points in each game. 44, 43, 30, 34, 31, 32. Guy's insane right good now. reason they're 7-0. Yeah, they don't He's even have right. Chris Middleton. Like, their second best scorer right. is, is, like, hasn't been playing. And Giannis is like, all right, I'll just score yeah. all the points. He's averaging 33.8 so far this year. And the Bucks are in a feed. Oh, and 12.8 rebounds. Like, and five assists. Guy's insane. He's amazing. Uh, he's incredible. He's amazing. Like, to go on... 7-0. Yeah. Like, that type of run is uh, pretty great, right? I mean, it, 
we've seen great runs. James Harden did it. Kobe Bryant's had some ridiculous right. runs. So a few more games at 30 plus points and we'll there will probably start having some you know conversation yeah, about where it ranks in terms of uh, runs but yeah they are uh seven and oh i will say uh their schedule hasn't been the most difficult started with the 76ers but they got houston brooklyn well, they played one game on the road yeah Knicks, uh and the last two have been against detroit so why have they only played one road game yeah, six six and zero at home, one and zero away. They started at Philly and then have played six straight home games, yeah. including back to back home games against Detroit. They're let's see, they the next go to Timberwolves, but then they're right back home. You you brought up the Calgary schedule in the NHL. They've only played eight games so far this year. What's yeah. happening with these schedules? I don't know what's and and who uh, <laughs> who who made the schedule for the Knights. A little like grease in the hand there. There you go. My Get goodness, all the bad teams they played. Oh, yeah, and my favorite part of the Giannis stat, I forgot to mention this, he's only playing 34.2 minutes a game. <laughs> he's averaging 33.8 and 34.2 minutes, almost a point per minute for Giannis. And it, and it, you know he's, he's the one shooting. It's not like, oh. Oh, yeah, you have to like, worry about Middleton. Right, it's not like, oh, we got to shut down Drew Holiday today, guys. Like, no, you know it's going to be Giannis. He's incredible. Uh, did you see the Lakers yesterday? I did. Um Matt Ryan apparently got benched by the Colts and now plays for the Lakers. Uh, he hit a game-tying three at the end of regulation to send the Pelicans and Lakers to overtime, in which the Lakers then held on to win by three. Uh, Lonnie Walker was the leading scorer for the Lakers yesterday. Lonnie Walker's average in 16. With 28. Uh, yeah. LeBron and Anthony Davis each had 20, and Lonnie Walker had 28. But here's the interesting part. Russell Westbrook, Westbrook. 13 points. Six of ten shooting, so a pretty efficient night. Um, he played 25 minutes in an overtime game, seventh most on the team. Two-part question for you. Is that a path to the playoffs for the Lakers? Russell Westbrook, seventh most minutes on the team. And does it ever blow up in their face because Russell Westbrook is unhappy if he's playing the seventh? Well, the latter has a better chance of the former. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yes. The former might come through if they're in the play-in game. But the latter has a great chance of happening if he only plays 25 minutes a game. If he's I'm not playing, saying it's the wrong thing to do. If he's playing 25 minutes, if he's the seventh man, basically, right? If he's getting the seventh most minutes and they're winning. Right, we get into December and January, and the Lakers are the six seed, the five seed. Right, they're very obviously they're not a top end team, but they're very clearly a playoff level team. And he's getting the seventh most minutes. I think he shuts up. Right? Does he shut up and say, "All right, this is working"? I'll do. Can he? Is it possible? I mean, he's on the bench. The whole thing was, will Russell Westbrook come off the bench? And Westbrook, remember, in the preseason, was like, ah. What was it? He's like, I might have hurt my hamstring because I came off the bench in a preseason game because I've been warming up the same way for my entire career, and this is the first time I do whatever. All of it was always, will he come off the bench? Well, he he's coming off the bench now, right? They've 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 got past that bridge of just right. getting him there. So like, if they are actually winning games, I have to imagine Westbrook. He might not be okay with it. He might not be happy with it. But I have to imagine Westbrook will not actually make a big deal out of it if he's playing. This is Russell Westbrook. I know, but it just, I don't know why, do, why do I have optimism that if the Lakers are the five seed in the West in January and Westbrook is playing because LeBron minutes could night, shut him up. Maybe, but I don't know. I just feel like if they're playing well and he's playing 20 something minutes a night and is not God awful is, you know, what he was last night that he'll be 
again, not happy with it, but he'll right. be like, yeah, all right, we're winning. It's, this is fine. This is my role on this Not team. if they're not winning. Yes, if they're losing, if they're like the 12, if they're 12th in the West, he might, well, he might as well just start yelling and complaining and hope right. he gets traded and goes somewhere else. But if they're winning, I, I don't know. I'm slightly optimistic for whatever reason in the Lakers. Um, all right, let's wrap this up on the NBA. Uh, Kyrie Irving. And the Nets are each donating half a million dollars towards causes and organizations that work to eradicate hate and intolerance in our communities. Uh, The Nets put out a statement yesterday about this. They also put out a quote from Kyrie Irving in this statement. So this was not a verbally spoken statement in a press conference or anything like that. Are they even allowing him to talk? They are not. Uh, This is just a uh, printed quote from a Nets statement from Kyrie Irving. I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. I'm aware of the negative impact of my post towards the Jewish community, and I take responsibility. I do not believe everything said in the documentary was true or reflects my morals and principles. I'm a human being learning from all walks of life, and I intend to do so with an open mind and a willingness to listen. So from my family and I, we mean no harm to any one group, race, or religion of people and wish to only be a beacon of truth and light. Yeah, I don't. Obviously, we don't know him personally, so I'm not going to sit here and say the apology doesn't mean much. It might be. I uh, I don't know him, so we know we only know what we see and hear from him, right? Right. And I'm not going to ever uh, discount a million dollars towards hate and intolerance of anybody. Yeah. I mean, good for them that they're doing this. Um, so I, I mean, does his apology mean much? I don't know if it means much to the people who were, uh, you know. Um, taken aback by what he said and, and obviously didn't agree with it. I don't know if it means much to them, but I can't sit here. I think media does this a lot and just makes determinations right off the top whether it means so much. I, it might mean a lot. I don't know. I don't know him. That apology is almost perfect. Like, as an athlete who messed up apology, he doesn't actually apologize, by the way. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. He just, I'm aware of the negative right. impact my post had. That's the only part I would quibble with. That's an almost perfect apology, though. To be like, I understand, you know, what I did and the consequences that it has, and, and I'm trying to learn and all that. Right. That's a perfect apology. The only issue is that Kyrie Irving got into a verbal argument with multiple reporters during a press conference, and then the apology was written. It wasn't said out loud. This is right. we don't see Kyrie Irving They're actually not saying him this. to say stuff. Right. The Nets might have written this.